ESG has exploded into compliance and business consciousness in 2021. Join Tom Fox, the voice of compliance, on the ESG Report and learn about sustainability risks, opportunities, and issues that business leaders and compliance professionals need to know about regarding ESG. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, back for another episode of the ESG Report. Today, I have with me Karen Woody. Karen is an assistant professor of law at Washington and Lee, and she is a Uber SEC watcher. And so I wanted to maybe get some of her thoughts and take a little bit deep dive into where the SEC is on ESG. So Karen, first of all, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me, Tom. So Karen, I've heard you say ESG is on the forefront of everyone's mind, and I'm going to include the Securities and Exchange Commission in that. Where do you see this administration, or do you see that they've wholly embraced ESG in a way that perhaps the prior administration did not? Absolutely. ESG seems to be one of the most discussed topics. The SEC very much is driving that train, I think. And we saw even just in the last day or two that Chairman Gensler has said that we will see the rules about certainly climate risk that needs to be disclosed by companies. Those should be out by the end of the year. I think it's been made clear by the administration and the SEC has risen to the task of really pushing that on corporate America to make sure that they are aware of sustainability risks, human capital risks, all the things that fall under that ESG umbrella is very much going to take center stage for the agency. Well, let me pick up on the climate risk first. One of the factors of the E of ESG, and you mentioned that Chairman Gensler wants to see companies write out, or I guess the commission and companies have more robust reporting, certainly by the end of the year. Climate has been on a lot of people's minds for some time this year, perhaps as much as ever. Is that really a natural progression, you would say, from climate change to carbon footprints to ESG and something that companies have been thinking about, and if they haven't, they should be, so that it would be sort of a natural progression to be the first one from the SEC? Yeah, like I said, this is not new. Sustainability measures have been around. I mean, even the UN guiding principles and a lot of the literature and pushes from various international organizations And what's interesting now is some of this feels almost like a semantic exercise because we saw this before under what was often called sustainability measures, CSR, it probably fell under these sort of same ideas of what is the corporation doing about sort of these risks that fall outside of financial risks in theory. I mean, obviously, there's a very clear link between climate risks and actually even investor risk and financial risks that might have been would have seen maybe too far apart um, before now, but now we do see there certainly is a clear link between climate emergencies and how that will hit many companies' bottom line. So this, I think, is not new. I think companies should have seen this coming for quite some time. That might vary depending on the industry. Obviously, there's certain industries that have been aware of this for a while, but the fact that this will be a very universal demand is a little new, but Like I say, it's certainly how we are moving. It's how the EU is moving. Everyone is 
taking this very seriously. And I do think what we're going to see is, as we usually see, is that the remedy, if you will, or sort of the request will be additional disclosures by companies on this. And with more information and transparencies, hopefully that helps investors have a better understanding of what their investment risk is. But the other thing is that gives a lot of fuel and power to even sort of the plaintiff class actions, the sort of the investors who, or certainly the cottage industry of class action attorneys who pour through those disclosures to see if there's something that's amiss or off. And we've already started seeing that too, these sort of class actions about statements on these issues. This is what we call the greenwashing type cases. And those aren't new, but I think we'll see more and more of those as these measures go forward. Karen, one of the things that interests me is when one of the three letters or that more than one of the letters intersect with each other. And I would point you to the Exxon shareholder revolt at the most recent Exxon shareholder meeting where an institutional investor, a minuscule institutional investor, proposed a board slate for board members not approved by Exxon. And three of those four were elected. And that really got me thinking about the G part. Because certainly the environmental played in because the institutional investor wanted more financial investments by Exxon in the environmental part. But there's also a governance part. Is that something you think that the uh, SEC will take a look at either in terms of reporting standards or enforcement as well? Yeah, it's an interesting question because the G oftentimes is overlooked or it does feel like it's much more in the realm of corporate law. So we see those cases come up through the Delaware courts more than we do often from the SEC. And so how those things all interrelate is fascinating. And the Exxon case is a perfect example of how we'll see this, all these things play out. If anything, it's almost like the G side of that was the means to the end of pushing for the E, if anything. So there's certainly some interrelated thing, but the way that they got sort of the attention of everybody was on environmental issues was to say, hey, the way we're going to do this is we're going to push hard on shifting and really shaking up the governance structure of the board here at Exxon. I mean, an Exxon of all companies, this wasn't some sort of fly by night. This is one of the oldest sort of companies. And the fact that even Exxon could be vulnerable to that says a lot about governance and activists and the power you can have with what was a very small sliver of control that they had. I find that we started to see, I think, some overlap between the S and the G in some sense. That's where I would count things like say on pay and the differences between the living wage ideas and that how that affects the salaries or the compensation of things like board members and officers. So that to me also seems like a place where there's a little overlap. It's less maybe direct, but you start to see like, hey, we have some people here who live in a different world than you all you all being at the top, and then you have these employees down at the bottom. So I think we saw a little of tiptoeing toward that overlap on the S and G in those places, say on pay, living wage, those kind of measures. So it's an interesting time to be watching this field because it does hit on every aspect of life in some ways, which is, it's interesting that the SEC will be wrangling with all of those issues. Let me turn to reporting standards. 
And is it the SEC's job to set reporting standards? Do they say, well, you only have to have reporting standards around what's material? Or what is the SEC's role on reporting standards for ESG, Karen? Sure. So you're right that the baseline sort of trigger for reporting will always turn on materiality. And as someone who wrote about this now, gosh, maybe 15 years ago, nearly, I first came out and said, the problem with a lot of these non-financial disclosures is that they are immaterial, meaning that investors aren't taking the factor of this into account when deciding whether or not the health of their investment is one that is sound or not. So I have changed my tune on that because more and more investors have said, you know what, it does matter to me how this company does in terms of sustainability or on these factors actually do matter. So this is material to me as an investor even if it's maybe divorced in some ways from the financial health of my investment. And so I think as we've seen that shift in terms of what investors care about, I think the materiality standard still applies, but actually the the outcome of it has moved. And so it's not a hard standard. It's not a numeric standard of this hits 5% of your revenue, then automatically it's material. I mean, that's obviously evidence of some materiality, but there isn't a hard and fast standard. And so the fact that even the sort of materiality here shifting, if we take the definition of materiality as the classic sort of TSC versus Northway, the famous old case where the information that would be part of the total mix of factors that an investor would consider in making an investment, the total mix now does include ESG. And so the materiality will be still the baseline determinant of whether what needs to be reported. But as I've been saying, that is sometimes a moving target. And so the SEC likely will stick to that idea of this qualitative rather than a hard line on reporting standards. Other groups may not. I mean, obviously, there are much more harder standards for things, FASB from the accounting standards, from audit standards. So that will all percolate into disclosures to the SEC as well. We'll see that sort of from a variety of areas. I don't know if that answers your question or not. I still think materiality will be the determining factor. Now let me turn to enforcement. You spoke a little bit earlier about the private litigation or shareholder derivative actions barred by plaintiffs bar for companies that might not meet their reporting standards. But where do you see SEC enforcement around these reporting standards? That's another great question. To me, it strikes me that this area would be rife for sort of really good for plaintiff's class actions. And we see those already happening. I mean, just this morning, I saw one about Oatly, the oat milk company, having a greenwashing claim. I mean, in addition to an accounting issue. So it wasn't strictly just that they had potentially made a misstatement or an omission of fact about the sustainability impact of their product. But the SEC also has made clear that they will be in this same space. They set up an enforcement task force this spring that is focused on climate and ESG disclosure. So they certainly have made a nod toward we are watching this. And like I said before, not necessarily only in a to give you guidance necessarily. We're watching this to bring an enforcement action against you. Like we're looking at this with real teeth and real punishment that could be meted out if have 
some errors or any misstatements on these particular topics. So that was certainly a signal that they will take this very seriously. I think we will see that coming as well, that they will really look at these disclosures carefully and decide whether or not there are any misstatements or omissions in them. Karen, where do you see SEC? You touched on where it might go down the road. Is there anything that you see that the SEC might do more aggressively in the area of ESG or in setting or putting down some markers for reporting standards and then forcing against those is really probably the general things that they will do going forward. Yeah, I think that's right. I think companies will demand it because like I said, materiality is sort of the benchmark. It's going to be such a broad and moving target to some extent. That's going to be hard, I think, on both sides, both to enforce that and then also to understand that they are complying or not. That's going to be a compliance issue, I think, for companies. But I do think clearer standards, particularly when we're in more of, you know, we're talking about disclosures around qualitative type things for the most part. We're not talking about financials. What will you have to disclose on these ESG measures will be something that I think everyone will be asking for clear standards on. So I do think the SEC might start making that clear. We'll see the rules for the environmental, the climate risk things by the end of the year. Hopefully that says with some sort of specificity what it is the SEC expects to see. Again, with the idea that this is what will help investors and protect investors going forward, that people in general will want to know this before investing in certain companies. So here's really the question I wanted to end on for this podcast, Karen. You talked about or we visited about the differences and approaches from the Trump administration to the Biden administration on this topic of ESG. And I really wanted to end with, is the SEC following or leading on this issue? Because ESG issues really exploded as much as anything during the 2020 height of the coronavirus health crisis. And I just really wondered how this would get on a regulator's radar. We saw it not on the radar of the Trump administration, but on the radar under the Biden administration. And how do you see the issue of whether the SEC is following or leading on this issue? That's a good question. I would have said, I think they were leading, certainly when the interim chair, Allison Lee, took in over in the January, February time period. She came out very quickly on ESG. We even had John Coates step in as sort of the czar on these issues. And so we even had new task force, new committees focusing on this at a time that certainly Biden had been placed in office, but they might not yet have ramped up as much. Obviously, Biden's administration, even in campaigning, made clear that this would be something of one of their priorities. But I do think the SEC was ready and very quickly pivoted away from sort of the priorities of the previous administration in a way that I would have argued was more leading than maybe following. Now it seems that they're on the same page. And so I would imagine that the Biden administration is giving some direction. But like I said, I think certainly the Democratic commissioners had a very clear agenda as soon as they sort of regained control. That's, again, my armchair quarterback thought on it. I don't know if I have any much evidence to back it up other than just sort of watching how this has all unfolded. 
Karen, we now are at the end of our time for this episode, but I was wondering if our listeners wanted more information on any of the topics we've discussed in this podcast or maybe wanted to continue the conversation with you, how could they do so? Oh, that'd be great. I would love to continue the conversation. They can reach out to me at WNL. They can follow me on Twitter. I am at K.E. Woody on Twitter. And find me at Washington Lee's University School of Law on my faculty page. And I, you can find ways to contact me there. And I'd love to continue the conversation. Well, Karen, this has been a great visit, something I wanted to chat with you about for some time. So I hope we can continue the conversation in the future. Me too. Thank you so much, Tom.